we're going to talk about how to have a fast turnaround in any business, any organization, on any team. So if you want more out of the team you lead, this is the perfect episode for you. Welcome to the Next Level Leader Podcast, where I want to help you escape average and lead at the next level. There's more in you, and it's time that you learn to lead at your full potential. So join me on this next level journey as we learn to escape average one day at a time. It's time to grow to the next level. The world is waiting. All right, guys, welcome back to the Next Level Leader Podcast. We are so glad that you're able to join us today. And today's podcast is going to be a ton of fun. This is one I've been looking forward to uh, for a couple of weeks now. Had an idea, and I have got the perfect guest with me today to make the idea work. Um, and before I announce our guest, before we get into the podcast today, um, I've got some new stuff I'm working on, a brand new book that I'm working on. And come January, you're going to hear a lot more about some of the concepts we're talking about today. We're going to break them down real high level today. You're going to hear a ton more about that, but we couldn't resist the opportunity uh, to take a look at an incredible leadership example what's going on in the world in front of us right now, and one that I think is worth celebrating. Uh, whether you sit in the same seat that that me and my guests do today or not. So welcome to the Next Level Leader podcast, AJ Rucker. Um, AJ, we're so glad that you're here. AJ is one of um, my best friends in the world. I've got to spend a lot of time with AJ over the years, and we don't get to see each other a lot now, but anytime we see each other, it's like no time has passed. Uh, AJ, I love you, brother. We have worked together. We've led together. AJ's been on the podcast before, interviewed me when my book came out, uh, but AJ is the host of Straight Up Tennessee, a brand new podcast about Tennessee football, and what a perfect time in the world to be hosting a podcast about Tennessee football, uh, going from zeros to playoff contenders. And today, AJ, that's what we're talking about. We're going to do, you know me, I love case studies. I love to find really successful people. I love to find really successful organizations and then break apart the pieces of what make them successful because I think most of the time they don't even know what really makes them successful. They think it's something over here, so they talk about it a lot. And then when they leave, everybody does that thing and it doesn't work because it was really something over here. So uh, today on the podcast is what we're going to do. We're going to take a look at the University of Tennessee Volunteers Football Program how it has had a rapid turnaround. And we're going to talk about how to have a fast turnaround in any business, any organization, on any team. So if you want more out of the team you lead, this is the perfect episode for you. Welcome to the podcast, AJ. We're so glad to have you here today, man. Hey, man, I'm excited to be here, Jeff. And just like you said, man, it's like no lost time. Like you call me, we just chopping it up, man. So uh yeah. Love what you're doing. Love the Next Level Leader podcast. And uh, I'm excited to be on today, especially for the topic that we are talking about today. Absolutely. And as you can see, AJ's got his UT stuff on behind. I always have my UT stuff on behind me in the podcast. Uh, but we're just going to bring you guys into a conversation today because these are the kind of conversations that AJ and I would have for years when we worked together in the same office. We just, we'd be talking about something in life. We connect it to leadership because AJ, you're in leadership. You're always looking at these things in your life and your leadership as well. Um, but let's just talk about today. We're going to break down. This is stuff I've not talked about unless you've heard me do a keynote speech on this. You've had to hear me speak live to hear this. 
but we're going to break down a little bit of what I call the four engines of impact. So when I texted you, AJ, I said, hey, what Tennessee is doing, I don't even think they know. Everybody in the mm. country who's a sports fan is saying, how in the world does a team that was three and seven two years ago, how does a team that was three and seven two years ago that lost 30 players to the transfer portal, and those weren't any players, AJ, those were their best players, how do they turn around so fast, right? We're going to get in that in just a minute. But I would say this, anytime you find a hyper-successful team, a hyper-successful organization, business, nonprofit, sports team, it does not matter. When you find a team that is on the top of the totem pole, they're at the top of their field, you're going to find four things, what I call the four engines of impact. They're going to have really healthy leadership, really healthy culture, really healthy communication, and healthy adaptability. Leadership, culture, communication, adaptability. If you have those four things, I promise you, you're going to be successful. And every problem that you've ever had on your team, every problem you ever had in your business has come back to a dysfunction in one of those four engines. And if you fix the root, you fix the problem. It is the fastest way for a turnaround. So uh, without further ado, AJ, let's break it down. Let's chop it up. Let's talk about this turnaround with Tennessee. You cover the team much more than I do. I'm just a fan watching from the outside and making these connections, right? You're in it a little bit more than I am. What have you noticed with those four engines of impact? What have you noticed that stood out to you most about this team's turnaround? Because it's been crazy, dude. Oh, I mean, you, like you said, you look at last year, uh, we finished seven and six. The way we lose in the ball game to Purdue, you just can only imagine what it felt like in the locker room after that game. But then you take it back one more year to 2020, Jeremy Pruitt's final season, three and seven. The entire fan base has what we call BVS. It's called battered ball syndrome. It's like, I can't, I, we're going to suck forever. We're never going to be good again. We can't hire the right person. Uh, bring Peyton Manning, to, you know, all the crazy We're cursed, things. AJ, we're cursed. Oh, it's just like, what happens? And then you look at the progression of 2021 to now. And the biggest thing to me, just, just really looking and knowing some people on the inside, getting opportunities to have conversations with different people, um, former VFLs, um, culture, man. Like it, it's just culture. And it took a long time for Tennessee to hire the right guy to bring in and to have not just a culture of excellence, but I feel like it's now a culture of honor. Like these players yeah. enjoy and honor their coaches. I've never heard them say one time that it's about them. And in the past, it's always been about an individual. And now uh, what we're seeing is a team come around a guy in Josh Heupel, and uh, he has completely made a 360 in culture and on this team. And that is why we're seeing the results we're seeing every Saturday. Yeah. And let, let's go ahead and just break this down because a lot of our listeners, they love sports. They love football. You may be a Tennessee fan. You may hate Tennessee. That's OK. You can be an Alabama fan, a Georgia fan, a no, you USC can't. fan. It doesn't no, matter. You, you can be any fan on this podcast. We're talking about leadership today, but, you know, GBO, whatever. Yeah, here's the deal. Some people are listening. You're going to go, hey, Jeff, I love leadership. Love your podcast. I'm not a sports fan. Hang with us because this is this is going to be huge. There are lessons you can learn from this that are massive because I want us to talk about, first of all, one of the things you just said, you talked about Coach Josh Heupel making this difference in culture, but that's not necessarily been the culture that he's had everywhere that he was. He was at UCF for two years, and I was looking back at tweets 
from the day that he was hired. And a lot of those tweets from people at UCF was, hey, we dodged a bullet. They just paid this guy off so we could get rid of him. Thank you, Tennessee. There were national figureheads that said, hey, what was this hire? This is not this is not going to work. This guy's been okay, but okay is not going to fly at Tennessee, especially what they with what they've been doing. He was okay as the, the offensive coordinator at Missouri, but he was never great. This has been a different level both years. First year going from three and seven to a seven-win team. This year, looking at eight and one, only losing to what I, I can only presume is the number one team in the country, one of the best teams I've, I've ever seen, yep. right? What is it that changed when Heupel got to Tennessee that you can see? Because you know a yep. little bit about what he did at UCF, a little bit about what he did at Missouri. What's changed now? There's a couple of things. Um, obviously, let, let's get the, the facts out. There is a talent gap difference from UCF to Tennessee, right? I mean, our three and seven teams would beat UCF just because of the stature and the nature of the men playing the game. Now, right? Can I push back on that for just a second, though? Oh, let's go. Because this is what I do to leaders all the time. Hey, this this company over here has this advantage and we don't have that. So we can't do that. I would say 100 percent. There is almost as big of a talent gap between UCF to Tennessee as there is between Tennessee and the top tier programs in the SEC. That Absolutely. is not the, the roster is not talented enough, should not be doing what it's doing yet. I, I, I understand. I, I get it. And uh, I mean, that is one of the obvious. It does take some dudes. It takes some time, some recruiting. It takes some years. But again, it's what can you get out of the guys you have there? There is always untapped potential in the individuals in your organization, um, in your small business on your teams, on your, your neighborhood book clubs, like everything, there is untapped potential in people. And what Josh Heupel has done is unlocked that he's allowed um, the, the team camaraderie around the university. It's just different. Like the, the way that they talk about each other. Um, and I'll say this, Jeff, when Josh Heupel was hired, he didn't come in and say what he was going to do. He came in and asked questions. Mm. He he asked questions to the people who were already in the mess. And that is already the one of the things that I would say is a leader has to be a great listener. And he came in and didn't say, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is who we're going to be. I don't really care about what you say. I'm going to push my own agenda. He asked questions. And now yeah. those questions are paying dividends because now we're seeing the product on the field is all the answers to everything he asked. Hey, what do you need? Mm. Everyone asked everyone, every single player said, we just want to feel like a family. Like it's just not yeah. been that way. What happens? Boom. Every VFL from the last 20 years wants to be on Rocky top every Saturday. And so Josh Heupel has just created a culture of one honor, but of two, just it's it is a family aspect and people want to be around that. Man, no, I think it's good. And it reminds me, I've got a client right now who just took a brand new leadership position as a senior leader in an organization, um, really a little stressed out about it, a little anxious, moved across the country to do this. But one of the conversations that we had was, hey, for the first few months, don't make any changes. Don't do anything. Don't make any decisions. You need to listen to every person you can in that organization. And oh, yeah. when you leave a conversation with them, I want you to ask them one final question. What's one thing I can do to make your role on the team a little bit easier and then do it. 
answer those questions for everybody that you can. That's funny. That's what you're talking about with, with Coach Heupel. But the culture, man, the culture now, I'll give some uh, some quotes, a couple of different things they've talked about that I love. Um, it actually said, here was, a, here was a quote, I believe it's from Jalen Hyatt. So like I said, we're just blessed that he's here, talking about Coach Heupel. Blessed to have the opportunity to play for him. I think why we're so close as a team is because I feel like a lot of people have adversity stories here. It brings us closer together because everybody understands when you're at your lowest, what you can do. We're just blessed to be a part of this team. So that's a player who wasn't getting any reps, a player who wasn't known by anybody, thought he was a bust, right? Who is now leading the nation in touchdown receptions. And he says, we're just blessed to be here. Um, let me see. I had a, a, another one that I love. This was actually from Coach Heupel. He said, uh, you just keep competing together. They love each other. Talking about the team. They love each other. They have fun. It's a fun locker room to be in every day. I think those are two quotes that hit culture right on the head, man. Shows what it is. that That's a place they love to be. They fight for each other. They strain. They give a little bit extra. Absolutely. So when you're on a team, when you're in a business environment, what are some of the things we can take away from what Coach Hype has done to improve our culture where we're at besides listening, which is, I think, a fantastic way to start. Absolutely. Um, you never want to walk in and be the smartest person in the room, right? Hmm. Uh, because if you walk in with that stature and, and that demeanor, the people around you can feel that. And he never did that. You look at him now. He, he doesn't walk into meetings like I'm the head coach of the uni- at, at the University of Tennessee. He walks in like, my name's Josh Heupel. I'm I'm blessed to be the coach of the university at the University of Tennessee, yeah. you know. And so, as the high level leaders and organizations, we must walk in and and be personable. Like we we need to be a human, not not mm-hmm. sitting on a pedestal. Like I make I, this is my salary. This is how much more uh, um, advanced in my career I am than you. Um, it's taking things and looking through the lens of. How can I get better and how can I help this individual get better today? And so that I just I mean, that's what he's done. And I think when you look at your teams, you got to ask yourself that question. Hey, what's what can I do today to make the people mm-hmm. around me better? Um, and I think that's the way he approaches uh, the team every single day. They step on the practice field every single day. They step in yeah. the film room every single day. They step in the meeting room. Um as much as it is about business, it's also about a relationship. So, yeah. Yep. Well, people want to go the extra mile for you. People want to go the extra mile for your leaders. People want to go the extra mile for your company when they feel like they are a part of it and not just a cog in it. That's a huge difference, man. Um, one of the things I look at, I actually heard it um, yesterday, you know, because uh, Tennessee's on this magical run, magical season, uh, got their butts whipped. Uh, Saturday against a Georgia team that is scary good. But beyond that, it, it was just, it was not the best day that I've seen them play. There were some deficiencies there. I'm interested to see what they do coming out of this, facing this adversity. But as a, a reporter yesterday at Josh Apple's press conference was asking, Coach, how is your team going to handle this adversity? One of the things that he said was, Hey, we're going to get right back at it. And I don't have this quote in front of me, so I'm probably going to butcher it. But he said, I know we're going to get right back at it because the values that we have. And to me, that's another huge part of culture. 
you're talking about a football team, okay? Culture is overused as a buzzword in, in sports because everybody talks about the culture you want to have when most people aren't intentionally building a culture, okay? That's right. Um, Josh Heupel intentionally built a culture, but part of that is we have team values and every team changes, so every year we will have different team values. Those values, he said, are the reason why he knows they're going to come back, they're going to compete, they're going to prepare, they're going to get ready, right? So Absolutely. from talking about coach listening, to the players, them feeling like it's a family, to them having fun, feeling blessed to be there. Uh, time and time again, players and coaches alike said that's why we fight for each other at a different level. If you want the people on your team and your organization to fight for you, to fight for the company at a different level, um, you got to have a bit of a relationship with them. And leadership is lonely. One of the reasons why I'm rolling out the four engines of impact is we want to help take the loneliness, okay, and the guesswork out of leadership. Because, man, when you're a senior leader, you don't know what to do next. No one's exactly been in your shoes with that situation before. It's easy to take that guesswork, that loneliness, feel like you have to have all the answers, and then not open up to anybody else. But the best leaders are the ones that will open up and say, I don't have the answers, but together we will figure them out. Let's brainstorm this. Let's do this. And uh, if nothing else, that's one of the things I try to help my clients do, AJ, more than anything, is just give them a safe listening ear where they can talk about some of those things. And then we can identify which ones are okay to talk about with your team. And more often than not, some of the stuff leaders think are scariest to talk about with their team. I can't tell my team that. They'll think less of me. It's actually what will make your team think more of you um, just right off the bat. But we talked about culture. That's the one that I thought you would say. I thought it would stick out most to you. Um, any client who's listening right now, they know Jeff always talks about culture, always talks about culture. Uh, but let's look at the other three engines. So we got leadership, culture, communication, and adaptability. Let's talk about leadership for a minute. I wrote a book on leadership. I love talking leadership. Where have you seen AJ with this team this year from the way they practice, the way they play, the way they prepare? Where have you seen leadership really shine? And where has it been different since Coach Heupel got here from the coaches before him? Yeah, I think the way that the team uh, talks to the media, it sounds like Josh Heupel. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, when you listen to Hendon Hooker talk, he's not saying anything out, out of this world. You're like, oh, that's kind of left field. You listen to Jalen Hyatt. You're not hearing a guy say stuff that's like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And from every level, everything is so tight. And when I say that, you know, I really do believe that in leadership, the team will take on the personality of the leader. And Josh Heupel is leading these, these kids in a way to um, teach them the, the ways of college football, preparing them for the NFL, but he's also teaching them how to be men inside of the locker room, inside of the classroom. And you're seeing that on the field. You're seeing them face adversity. Hey, Georgia, I mean, they go down there and we could have laid the egg like we could have not even wanted to go score on that that drive with four minutes left in the fourth. But guess what? They didn't quit. And that is a representation and a reflection of how the coach is leading a Tennessee team yeah. two years ago quits, man. We down. We probably lose that game 50 to zero. We probably don't even score like oh, because yeah. because the leader cares. And so the players mm. care. And uh, that is why we're seeing what we're seeing. Yeah, man, it's huge. I'm going to give you a, give you another quote from Coach Heupel. Uh, this is from a couple of weeks ago. But he said, these guys, the reason why we found a way to be on the right side of it every week is because they've been focused, they've been prepared, they have practiced, 
and they get themselves ready emotionally and physically to play hard once the ball is kicked off. I, I think about that. When I'm looking at leadership, they mm. get themselves ready. When coach is talking about it, it's not we're getting them ready. He's never talking about what we're doing in practice to get them ready. He's always saying, hey, as a team, we've had a good week of practice. Or, hey, we didn't have the practice that we wanted today, but I know these guys will turn around. I know they'll get themselves ready. When he's talking about injuries, I know they're going to the training room. They're taking care of their bodies. There is this piece of the leadership puzzle within that organization, within those meeting rooms, with everybody on the team, that it is my job to get me ready to go. I can ask for help. I've got all the resources in the world. People want to help me. I'm not on an island, but it's my job to get me ready. And when everybody on your team knows clearly what it looks like for them to get themselves ready, okay, it takes a lot of burden off the shoulders of the leader because what it does is it makes leaders out of everybody. The mm -hmm. hardest person to lead is to lead yourself. So when everybody knows what it looks like clearly to show up day in, day out at my job and lead me, then not only do they become leaders in their own right, they become leaders of other people. People begin leading each other. Now you have accountability when someone sitting next to you is not doing their job. And that happens on this team. There are tons of quotes from players where that kind of stuff happens on this team all the time. They love each other. They have fun together, but they will quickly get on one another and say, that's not how we do it here. And the That's best it. organizations that I work with, for-profit and non-profit, doesn't matter how big, how small, they have people who all know their jobs, know what it is to do, what it looks like to get themselves ready, but they also know what it looks like for the next person to get themselves ready. And when you're not preparing, when you're not focusing, when you're not bringing your A game, they'll say, hey, what can we do to help? But this ain't going to fly here. Right. Yeah. I think that's been a big piece of, of just leadership on the team as well. Anything else leadership that you can think of that you want to highlight before we move on to another engine? I mean, it's a culture I want to be a part of because the leader yeah. is so solid. Like, and you're seeing that, man. Um, you're obviously seeing it in other ways too. Think about Tennessee hasn't had a five star quarterback commit since what I mean, like, was Peyton Manning a five? Five star. I mean, like, I, I don't who even knows? Remember. You know what I'm saying? So it's like that shows the leadership there. It's that things are shifting. And yeah, you can say culture, but it's also about the men leading those kids. If if you feel as a player, if I'm a player and I feel like I'm being loved, I'm being cared for and I'm being affirmed. I'm probably going to come play for you. And I feel like those are three things Josh Heupel does very well because mm. The guys that are still here through all the mess that happened before Hypo got here, the reason they are still here is solely because of the leader. Yeah. Well, and I think this is a place, and this is the thing with the four engines, as we begin to break this down in January, you want to listen to the podcast in January, I'm going to be giving away my book, by the way. This one's not even going to be for sale unless you just want a hardback copy, because otherwise I'm going to be giving the ebook away. But as we break these down, it's one thing to understand the four engines. AJ, yeah. it's a totally different thing to understand that a lot of times a problem or a solution is found in the intersection between two engines, right? Yeah. And a lot of what we're talking about is the intersection between culture and leadership. And there's a reason why I say leadership, culture, communication, and adaptability. That's the order that I teach these in. Because if you have strong leadership, it's easier to build a healthy culture. They play off one another. And if Absolutely. you have strong leadership and strong culture – communication and adaptability are much easier. If you try to start with strong communication and adaptability, but you have people sniping each other, it's not going to work. 
right? Um, but I, I think about this. I think about 31 players, if I remember correctly, and you you, you tell me if I'm wrong in on that one because you're closer to it than I am. 31 players transferred away from this program when Josh Heupel was hired. They didn't listen to him. They didn't talk to him. They transferred out. I don't want to be a part of the program anymore. Those were our best players. Most of them are starting at other huge programs across the country. Not going to name any names, right? But they are. We played some of those players this year. Well, Jalen Hyatt, one of the best receivers in the country this year, burst on the team. He didn't do much last year, didn't do much before. He actually was quoted this week. He talked about it. He said, well, what's special is that those of us that are here, we want to be here. So I think about the leadership piece of we get ourselves ready, right? We want to be here. The people in your team, you need to find people who want to be there, right? Now, also with culture, you got to give them a reason to want to be there. But he said, Thanks. we want to be here. And he said, hey, we're like a bunch of misfit toys on the island of misfit toys. That's who we are, but we know what it takes to move. When the other guys didn't want to be here, we wanted to be here. And I think it's just an incredible example of on a roster that doesn't have enough talent to compete the way they're competing. And people are saying, hey, the experts said this was going to take five years minimum to even get to a place of competing, not national championship contention, like competing. So how do you turn something around when everybody says it's too difficult? Hey, start with leadership and culture. Create a place where people want to be. Focus on the people who want to be there. Because when you have people who will lead themselves and who want to be there, they will outperform those talented top performers who left. Okay, I don't care how talented you are. If you're not contributing to a good culture and you don't want to be there, you're going to hurt the place that you're at. So leaders, sometimes it's better to hire the less talented person mm. who fits the culture and is going to help you to build something. So we talked about leadership. We talked about culture. Let's move on to the next one, AJ, communication. Communication is massive with teams. And I've seen from last year, Coach Heupel's first year to this year, communication may be one of the places where I've seen the biggest difference. Because I would say last year, the leadership growth was visible. The culture growth was visible. And while those have continued to get better, I think one of the pieces that was missing last year that, that is not missing this year is communication. So let's talk about that for a minute. Where have you seen communication really ratchet up and change with this year's Tennessee volunteer team? I, I think that when you look at this year and the communication side of things, everyone is on the same page. It doesn't matter if you're playing special teams. It doesn't matter if you're on defense, offense. Everyone is on the same page because the language barrier that was there is no longer there. Meaning you've had almost two full years now in a brand new system with a brand new leader, with a brand new uh, position coach and so on and so forth. And so now the language that he has brought into the locker room, it's understood. And the other thing that I think is, Coach Hypo has done a great job and the position coaches as well. They've done a great job knowing how to talk to each individual person. Um, that is a huge thing, in my opinion, because you cannot lead everybody the same way. Um, there are some people, honestly, who just need more of you and that's OK. And then there are some people that hear you, they get it and they go execute. And so I think what they have done is they have learned their guys. They know how to coach each of them up. And that is why each position group is doing their job. And now we're seeing results way quicker than we thought we would. Yeah. So I was talking to um, an executive level leader 
um, probably a month or so ago. And we talked about this. One of the pieces of homework that I gave them in their coaching was to walk through the five languages of workplace appreciation. Gary Chapman wrote it. It's fantastic. Everybody doesn't receive appreciation in the workplace the same way. And funnily enough, although we all receive a little bit of appreciation for money, you can always give me some more money. I'll take that. <laughs> for the most part, we don't feel super appreciated by that, right? That's not yeah. what it is. So I had him actually do this. Read the workplace of appreciation and then talk to every person you lead directly on your team. Walk them through it and ask them to identify what their workplace appreciation language is, right? So he does this and he was like, man, I loved it. The, the, the just nuance and the, the verbiage that was put to it is fantastic. And I got really excited because I wrote down each person's name and I wrote down what their workplace appreciation language was and how I'm already appreciating them. And I was like, man, Jeff's going to love this. I'm doing a great job doing this. <laughs> and he said, and then I had to start having my interviews. He said, I didn't get it right with like anybody, Jeff. I got it wrong with almost everybody. And I thought I was appreciating them. I thought... I was doing these things, but they weren't receiving them as appreciation because it turns out they were all receiving appreciation differently. He said, that was one of the greatest wake up calls I've had in leadership was I've got to listen to people and I got to communicate with them differently because they don't all receive the communication the same. And uh, this is probably the biggest lesson for any leader who's listening, because I've been in that seat. I've done that exact same thing. We tend to guess wrong. Okay, we tend to guess wrong with how people need to be communicated with. So ask them. And I think that's been fantastic. I look at some practical things too, because I'm a systems guy, AJ. Um, I look at the fact that you know you got three different guys uh, communicating in different position groups with black backdrops behind them and different colored shirts so you can see them. And just if you watch game day and you watch on the sideline, I've never quite seen anything like it. It is, man, it, it's elaborate, the things they do to make sure that they can communicate not only clearly, but with average of, I think, nine seconds between, you know, plays right now, they got to go. You finish, you're looking at the sideline, you're getting a play and you are going. So all of that communication adds up, but I agree with you. The number one thing that we can do as leaders that we can learn from that. There's so many more things. I think we can learn from this example is find a way to communicate with your people in a way that they hear it. They receive it. Yeah. Great communication is when somebody Man, they receive what you have to say. They remember it. And here's the big one. They feel served by it. If they don't feel served by it, they will feel manipulated by it. And if they feel manipulated by it, they don't want to hear it. So it. we've all been there before. Um, but man, let's, let's talk about this last one. We talked about leadership. We talked about culture. talked about communication. This last one's one of my favorites, but it is one that generally has to come last because it doesn't help you a ton if the other pieces aren't in place. This is one that, that most businesses ignore, right? They ignore it. And, and it showed up when the pandemic hit. It's going to show up with a recession. Uh, I've actually got, we got a close mutual friend who asked me not too long ago. He said, Hey, Jeff, are you worried about being a coach with still a fairly new firm, you know, going into these times of the recession? And I said, no, because people are going to, businesses are going to need a ton more help when crap hits the fan, right? That's right. So th this one's the one that helps you prepare for that. Okay. It's adaptability, adaptability, the ability to change and adapt and flex to what environment you're in, what you're getting, what you're receiving. It's the ability to be successful no matter what is going on. Um, but it requires us to change from what we did yesterday. AJ, this team is super adaptable. It's one of the things that I think outside of communication is the biggest difference between year one improvement to year two improvement with this program. Let's talk about this team 
national championship contention right now. Where have you seen their adaptability grow, shift, change? Well, I, I think to talk about this year, Jeff, I have to take you back to 2021. Um, All right. Tennessee plays Bowling Green, wins the game. Play another team week two, Pittsburgh at home, lose the game. They continue to go through the season, and we get to what I call the turning point. We play Missouri on the road in 2021, and you're like, I don't know what to think. You're like, I just don't know. And so something shifted in that game, and they beat Missouri on the road. Mm -hmm. Then they come back home and play South Carolina and beat the snot out of them too. And then you're like, this is different. As a Tennessee fan, you're like, Something, yeah. something's different. There's a press conference that happens the week of the Ole Miss game where uh, Cedric Tillman is at the microphone. I'll never forget it. And I think Jimmy Himes, actually, who's a high-level media leader in the city of Knoxville, he asked the question. He said, Cedric, what's different? He said, we've bought in. And that is why it was that is when they began to adapt to the newness of what coach was bringing in. He said, yeah. we have bought in. And I think to adapt well, you have to first buy in because if if you can't buy into what's happening in an organization, I always say you're doing it a disservice. Then you, yeah. you it may be time for you to transition away. And that's OK. Like, it's really OK. But. Once you find a way to buy in and once something happens, something just switches. I don't know what it is. I've still to this day, I've seen it happen in in church leadership. I've seen it happen in businesses. Mm -hmm. Something just just snaps and you're like, oh, I, I get it now. Mm -hmm. And what has happened now, you take it back to then to now. The 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 tempo we've adapted to the the language again, we've adapted to yeah. the hostile environments. Yes, Georgia was crazy. But towards the back half of that game, you started to see these guys settle down. So mm -hmm. because the buy in is there, I feel like it's easier now for these guys to adapt to any situation, scenario, drive, whatever it is yeah. um, that they're faced with. So absolutely. I mean, that that's my biggest thing when it comes to adaptability. And I, yeah. I mean. We've seen it firsthand from 2021 to now, completely oh, yeah. different. Oh, yeah. Well, and just the way they operate on the field is different, doing a lot of different things, doing a lot of different things week to week. Like, hey, this playbook has changed. But I think about, you know, we, we've got senior leaders who listen to this podcast, but we've also got a lot of middle leaders. They're not senior leaders. They're not calling the shots. They're responsible for rolling out a culture, not for creating a culture. Okay. Um, and then we have people who just want, man, they're aspiring leaders. They're not in leadership positions yet. I would say this, if you're not the senior leadership, if you're not a senior leader in an organization and you don't like the culture, have a conversation about it, but don't try to change it because you can't try to change the culture if you're not in charge of the culture, if you don't have enough authority and buy-in to speak into the person who's in charge of it. So, hey, have a, have a conversation about it. But if you don't like it and you can't change it, don't keep fighting trying to change it because you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt the team you're on. There's a better place for you to be. Look for a place where you can go in, be a part of the culture, buy in, and improve it where people want you to improve it. Man, we get so scared we don't do that. But hey, if you're not fitting in the culture, leave it. It will be okay because here's the thing. If it's a toxic culture and everyone would say, well, it's toxic culture. I don't want to be a part of it. And they left it then that leader will either change 
or that organization will go out of business, okay? That's how you kill toxic cultures. We try to kill toxic cultures by trying to fix them and trying to change them from the inside out when you don't have the ability. If you have the ability, that is awesome. If you don't, sometimes the best thing that you can do for you and for the organization and for the other people that work there is to leave. So I want to empower you to do that. We let way too many toxic cultures stay alive because we're scared of the dollar, we're scared of money, we're, we're scared, you know, of changing a job, or we just want to, we want to try to change something. I have beat my head against a brick wall trying to change a culture at a place that didn't want to change. That wasn't their fault. That was my fault, right? So um, just something I wanted to bring up. Let's talk, as we continue talking about adaptability, I want to look back, AJ, at last year too, and I want to see if you've noticed this, because this has been, I think, huge for me. It's one of the things that's really stuck out. Um, last year, first halves, Tennessee was gangbusters. First halves, outscoring opponents, it was crazy, especially the first quarter. Um, you get farther into the second quarter, you get into the third quarter, scoring went down. It's like, you know, when teams made second half adjustments, once teams figured out what we were doing, um, all of a sudden we weren't as successful and there was nothing else to go to. So you could see it. Last year when we played teams, we knew we had to get up in the first half. Otherwise, they might come back and beat us, right? This year, it actually seems like the end of uh, what, what football coaches call the middle eight, the last four minutes of the, the first half and the first four minutes of the second half were strongest. We're strongest after people have seen what we've done, after they made those adjustments, really pouring on a lot of points in the third quarter. That, for me, is where I've seen the most adaptability, and I've heard it time after time after time again. Here's a quote from Josh Heupel uh, from a press conference. Uh, it was at the end of last week. He said, our guys are able to be flexible in what we're doing, right? They've talked about time and time again. We feel like we have an answer for almost everything. If we're in a play or about to run that play, we see it's not the right play. There's an answer. What do we go to? So because they talk about it, they communicate well, they know how to lead themselves, whether it's an offensive lineman, knowing how do we pick up what we're seeing, whether it's the quarterback changing a play, whatever it is, on every play they have rules and they have options that say we have an answer for what the defense is doing. They're growing, they're building. Have you noticed that, that idea that we, we have an answer and we can change and shift on the fly different than last year? Absolutely. And I think it's because the overall understanding of what's happening they grasp now they get it you know and uh that goes a little bit back to communication like they just get it now it it, it allows for um those adjustments to to happen and there's no let off mm -hmm. you know there's there's yeah. no like ah oh, well dang we're gonna have to just keep running the ball and try to figure this thing out I feel like the understanding of what's happening offensively and defensively now is at a new level and because of that new level we're now seeing more of a complete team um, every yeah. week. Yeah. Well, and I look about it, back at it, man, there's a couple of things you said there that are, that are so huge. One, their understanding of it is better. Now, if you're, you're leading the team and you're always leading with what, you're telling people what, but you don't help them understand the why, you know, sometimes they don't need to understand the why, but it's always better to understand the why. It's easy for a leader to say, you don't have to understand it. I just need you to do it, right? When they understand the why, then they understand when something shifts, okay, well, instead of doing X, I need to do Y because the end result we're trying to accomplish is really this. We have to help our team members understand the why because when they understand the why, they can make good decisions on the fly. And I love one of the things that Coach Heupel said, I heard him say it last week at one point, but he said, hey, as a head football coach, one of the hardest things is you don't hold the pin last. 
the last say of what's about to happen on that football field is the quarterback. They can change the play. You got a you got a college kid out there doing it. And he was talking about Hendon Hooker. He said, I love the fact that he holds the pen last because he makes me right sometimes when I'm wrong. Leaders, when you help your people understand the why and you're hiring smart, bought-in people, they're going to make you right sometimes when you're wrong, but we have to be willing to let them hold the pen. And we can't let them hold the pen if they don't understand the why. But here's one of the other things, you know, just as, as we're, we're talking about adaptability, right? We're talking about everything that has, has changed with this team, AJ. They're flexible because they don't just understand what they're, they're being asked to do, right? But they're trusted to do it. And I think that's a huge thing. They're trusted to make those shifts. They're able to try new things. They're putting in new things every week. Um, but even when they're putting in new things, they're simple answers. And I think this may be the biggest thing. They're keeping it simple. I've heard you know NFL coaches and scouts talk about, hey, this offense is really simple, but the problem is they operate really well in it. I've heard Josh Heupel say, this team to be highly successful, they don't need to do extraordinary things. They need to do ordinary things extraordinarily well, right? And then the one team that's been able to stop Tennessee, that juggernaut of Georgia this week, what did Coach Kirby Smart say? He said, I told my team, we can't be as complex as we normally are. We just can't do it. There's no time. We got to play simple. Here's what we're going to do. You have to win your one-on-one matchups in the back end. If you can do that, we're going to win. And if you can't, we can't. Look, they went out, they made it simple. Their guys played fast and they won that game. I think that even though Josh Heupel is giving them answers, there's an answer to everything. It's a simple framework. Very, very simple. I know where to look for the answer. I know how to find the answer. And because it's simple and I can understand it, I don't get paralysis of analysis. I don't get overwhelmed. that keeps me from thinking. A lot of our systems in business and leadership, nonprofit leadership, you name it, they're too complex for people to understand them and for your people to know where to go to get answers. If your team members don't know where to go to get answers, then they're not going to have the right answers. So a lot of times I think that the biggest, maybe the biggest thing we can take away from this is to simplify what we're doing to where people can understand it and they can use it. You can always build on later, but if people don't understand it, they're not going to make you right. So anything else that sticks out to you, AJ, just from uh, whether it's a, it could be adaptability, communication, culture, leadership, the way the engines intersect um, as we get ready to land the plane on this interview, which has been super fun. Anything else that you notice from the four engines that you're just like, hey, leaders, we need to learn this from this Tennessee football team because it 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 transfers to business really well. Yeah, man, I think we've we've done a great job of of hitting them all perfectly, in my opinion. I, I mean, again, I, it does start with just simple leadership. I mean, be present, be on time, <laughs> be there for your people. Um and then listen and lead well. Um, and then everything else comes behind that, whether it's culture, culture will start based off of how you lead. You'll be able to communicate at a high level based off of how you lead. And then your team and you even will be able to adapt to different situations and scenarios based on how you lead. So uh, yeah, Jeff, I think that that's really all I have today, man. That's awesome, man. Well, hey, listeners, Keep an eye out. That book is coming out in January. We're going to start talking a lot more about the four engines of impact. And hey, here's the reason why I say we're using these to help leaders um, really let go of the loneliness and to let go of, of the questions and the overwhelm 
of leadership. These four engines, they let you and your people know where to go fast for answers. When there's a problem, it's very simple, a very simple framework that will help you to find the problem every time. And it'll help you to find the answer. It's what we want to do. AJ, dude, thank you so much for being here today. This was a ton of fun. I love getting to, I talk leadership with you. I love getting to talk Tennessee football with you. So this was, uh, this was perfect. It's setting me up for a great day for the rest of the day, man. Thank you for being here. Uh, tell our listeners, if they're Tennessee fans or they're uh, just sports fans, podcasting fans, how can they connect with you guys at Straight Up Tennessee? Absolutely, man. Well, Straight Up Tennessee started literally over a little bit, uh, a little bit over 12 weeks ago. Uh, our saying is from the Vols to the Grizzlies it's Straight Up Tennessee, baby. And so uh, we talk everything uh, right now. Obviously, it's been a heavy football thing, but Tennessee basketball had a game on Monday. Uh, we chopped it up about that actually on the podcast on November 8th. Um, so as, as things continue to develop throughout the year, we've talked about the Memphis Grizzlies a lot, how John Morant and, and that team is just wow, unbelievable to be so young among us, among so many veteran teams in the league and how they're performing well. Um, but yeah, we talk everything from the east side of Tennessee all the way to the west. I mean, Tennessee basketball is like I said, is on the way. Baseball, they started exhibition games. Uh it, it's I said today, man, I said it's the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. you just got everything. So, uh, but man, you can follow us on Instagram at straight up Tennessee. Um, we've partnered with some amazing local vendors in Knoxville, Tennessee Sporting Goods being one of them. We're actually about to open our first merchandise store. Um, there's a lot of things happening, but you can find us on YouTube at Straight Up Tennessee, Twitter, Straight Up TN, Facebook, Straight Up Tennessee, um, and wherever you download your podcast, Spotify, Apple Music, Anchor, wherever, Google, um, just search Straight Up Tennessee and uh, hang out with me and my man Turner. It's a good time. Yeah. So guys, catch that. If you are in Tennessee, if you're a Tennessee sports fan of any kind, even at the professional level, Go check that out. AJ Rucker, one of the hosts of Straight Up Tennessee. And check out that merch when it drops. It is going to be hot. AJ, thank you again so much for being with us today. All right, guys. Hey, we always tell you, we'll say it. We finish the same way every time. But together, we can lead at the next level. There's a next level for you. Just take it one step, one day 